Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we uh, we get into um, our six degrees with Tom DeLonge, uh, and then we uh, we also rank all of the albums from whatever artist or band that we're doing this week. And this week we are doing the Jimi Hendrix Jimi Hendrix experiment 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 Jimmy the Jimi Hendrix experience. I was thinking the Jamie Kennedy experience experiment. Oh, that's um, a good experience. Yeah, I've been watching Scream, watching Scream. Uh, yeah, so we're going to rank uh, his three studio albums, and that's it. We're gonna, we'll talk about some of his live stuff, but we're only going to rank his three albums from worst to best. And, uh, and yeah, we're going to try to have a good time doing that. And uh, while you're listening, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Give us five stars on there. Please, please go do that. Uh, go to uh, All the social media is at Asinine Radio. Uh, we have a phone number you can call. It's 503-893-5307 if you want to shoot us a text. Send us a voicemail. People do that. That's cool. We also have a Discord server. If you want to join that, hit us up. We'll send That's you the link. Cool. And uh, now that we're done with the boring intros, let's get right into our six degrees of Tom DeLonge. So, what do you got, Jeff? Go. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Um, I didn't do one. There was a lot of stuff okay. to do this week. I didn't. I don't know. What do you want me to do? That's fine. Do then did you do I, one? I just did one. I did one. Okay. Um, okay you know, I'm not negligent like you. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna start with uh, drummer Buddy Miles. Uh, obviously played with Jimi Hendrix and uh, we go from Buddy Miles to Santana because they did a live album together in 1972 called Carlos Santana and Buddy Miles Live (laughs) and then we go from Santana to Rob Thomas because obviously Rob Thomas was on the Supernatural record and who doesn't love that record right Mm -hmm. go listen to the podcast when we did that episode it was awful (laughs) and then so from Rob Thomas we go to a guy named Mike Elizondo, who we've actually Ooh, talked about lots. Uh, quite a bit on the podcast. Lots. Yeah, so he's a, he's a famous producer, also a bass player, and Mike Elizondo played bass on Rob Thomas's first solo album called Something to Be. came out in 2005. Uh, and Mike Elizondo, he has produced a couple Avenged Sevenfold records, and then Brooks Wackerman is in Avenged Sevenfold, and then Brooks Wackerman to blink to Tom or Brooks straight to Tom because he played on Tom's solo record. So there you go. You're getting close on that one. That was, that was like six right there. Almost. I think it was exactly six. Almost seven. Okay. Yeah, but I did it. This is actually a tough one. It was a tough one, but I, I made the connection. I did it. So that's all I got for the six degrees with Tom DeLong. Let's just jump into uh, the rankings then. I'm I'm sure this will be, be kind of quick because yeah, he only put out three records and, um, Let's just jump into number three. What do you got, Jeff? Go. Ooh, number three for me. Uh, I have all three of these on the vinyls, I will say. And okay. uh, I'll keep them. I'll keep them because I do enjoy listening to them. But um, Electric Ladyland. Electric Ladyland. <laughs> <laughs> Electric Ladyland. That's a stupid name. Um, that's, that's, that's my least, I guess my least favorite of the three. And I'm not again. I'm not saying that it's bad. I don't think it's bad at all in any capacity. It's just uh, it's just more like focus. It's a more focused approach to to being like a rock star. It's less goofy, and I think Hendrix is super goofy. 
it's less goofy and, and, and less childish and more adult in its songwriting. Noel and, and Mitch both kill it, as they always do on this record, and uh, as do everybody else. And Hedrick sings like he's trying to be a singer rather than just a placeholder. Like, I, I think Jerry Garcia is just a placeholder. And at this point in their career, Hendrix has become like a perfectionist. Multiple songs were tracked over and over and over, and they had numerous takes. We're talking 20, 30, 40 takes per song. And it's just... On tape. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, come on, man. Yeah. That's just, like, I don't know. I, that's fine. I get it. That's kind of a natural progression of, of musicianship is to want to refine your craft. That's fine. It's still a solid album, like I said, but you, you can kind of just tell there's a lack of innocence and, and childish direction on this one. So that's why I have it my, my least favorite. But it's a double LP, and there's a lot of fucking songs. So, yeah. You know. So you, you have no banger of this one? Oh, no, I got a bunch of bangers, dude. My, my favorite okay. is the cover of Come On, Come On, Let the Good Times Roll. Like, I really like what he did with okay, it. Yeah. It's fucking cool. Maybe I was just still kind of in a rock and roll high from the Richie Valens episode last week because that song, Let the Good Times Roll, is just a, like a jump blues song, but that's a precursor to rock and roll. So maybe I was just like on a on a high from the Richie Valens thing, but fuck, man, I loved it. I loved the soul he threw into it. I, I thought he kept that edge, that kind of like jump blues into rock and roll edge, but added his own psychedelic, iconic Jimi Hendrix sound to it. Absolutely perfect. And then also the epic 1983, right? A Merman I oh, Should yeah, Turn yeah. to Be. Dude, it's like this 13-minute jam. It's <laughs> That's a wild one. <laughs> it is. It's fucking wild. wild and it's so goddamn good. Mm-hmm. But this, I mean, Electric Ladyland also has like All Along the Watchtower, which is insanely popular. Eh. That's has, a fucking amazing song. Eh. It has, I, I, I think his version, too, is exponentially better than Bob Dylan. I love oh, Bob Dylan. yeah, without a doubt. But I mean, we talked about it on the Bob Dylan episode too. It's just, I don't like Bob Dylan's version of his own song. It's just it's stupid. I I don't like it. But this also has uh, the the Voodoo Child or the Voodoo Chili, depending on what what track it is. And so there's a lot of bangers yeah. off of this album, and it's iconic. And the cover art I think is really cool. I like it. So I don't know. I I will keep this. And I've I have a really old pressing. I don't think it's an OG pressing because I think this was 1968. I think I have like mm-hmm. a 70 or 71 pressing. So I like it a lot. I'm going to keep it. I did purge like four Hendrix albums in the past two weeks and sold them. But they were all just like, you know, albums that were released after he died, right? Yeah, they were all. They, yeah. I, I I got rid of the Band of Gypsies because that was like the first one I think he did like as he was about to die. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was recorded live. Yeah, but it was. Yeah, but it, they only did it because he 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 signed some shitty contracts in the mid 60s to where he was owed that he had to he owed a, a an album to his old manager so that's what they did they just recorded a live record yeah and called it a, an album a studio or not a studio album, just an album yeah band of gypsy they got rid of the cry of love which was like the first album that he released after he died that was released after he died it had studio tracks yeah. on it and like rainbow bridge was a, the soundtrack thing and I, I don't know I, there's a bunch of other stuff too that i didn't like but um, yeah. I did keep one live album that I will, I will input into my rankings as an interim thing, <laughs> and then I'll also I'm also going to put into my rankings where I think Woodstock should be. Okay, all right. So yeah, but that's what I got. Electric Ladyland. I'll, I'll throw in the live rankings too, just as supplemental because I did listen to Woodstock and I did listen to Isle of Wight, the full one on on Spotify, the two hour fucking one. <sighs> 
Yeah. So I'll, I'll throw those in there as well. Perfect. Um, but uh, my, my number three is uh, Axis, Bold as Love, his, uh, his second record. Uh, this record, to me, it, uh, it was very unfocused, and it seemed very rushed. And I, I, a lot of the songs kind of seemed to bleed together. If, I like this record a lot. I think it's very good. But in the context of these three records, it's by far the worst. Like, I felt oh. like this is just, it, it happened too quickly. It was released seven months after I know, his first months, record. Same fucking you know? year. <laughs> yeah, so it, it just seemed so fucking rushed. And, I mean, everything about Hendrix was very quick. I mean, not as quick as Richie Valens, but, you know, getting close. Um, yeah, no, you're right. But, yeah, Axis Bold is Love. I, I mean, I've always really, really liked Castles Made of Sand. I think that is just, that's one of his best songs, I think. I think. Um just the melody and just kind of how trippy overall the song sounds with like the, the back masking that he uses in the song. It's uh it has, it has a, a little bit of everything you'd want from Hendrix, the, the crazy psychedelic stuff, the melodies um, has it all. And the guitar playing, obviously. And then, you know, we'll, I'm, we'll get into it extensively, you know, uh, the, the bass and drums because it shit's fucking unreal. But uh, I mean, yeah, probably both just... like are, are going to gravitate towards everybody in the band, except for Hendrix for most I of it. I think so too. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's astonishing. Um, so yeah, Axis Bold as Love is my, uh, is my least favorite, but it's still a solid record. And uh, I will say I only have one out of these three. I only have, are you experienced? That's the only one I have on vinyls just cause I've never seen the other two like used for cheap. I always find new copies for like 25 to 30 bucks. I'm not going to do that. Just not going to do that. I know all the usually so. has Electric Ladyland for around the 20 $25 range, but like early early pressings. Yeah. I mean if it I mean maybe I'll get that this week when we're when I'm out there in Arizona, but otherwise yeah, I don't have them. But yeah, Access Bold is Love, my number 3. So what do you got for number 2? Go. Uh the album of the week, Are You Experienced? Okay. That's that's what I got. I've not. I've still have not inputted the uh, the two live ones yet. All right, I I understand that. My number two is also. Are you experienced? Oh, so so what is your number one? Well, so before in between my number two and my number one, this is where I would uh-huh. put Woodstock. Okay, All because right. Woodstock was something that I don't think it was like his best performance, but I think. I mean, it's for sure his most iconic. It is the, one of the most iconic things in like rock and roll history. It's it's just, it is what it is not. I would never say what's on the no-no list, but it is, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Like it happened. It, it's, it's something that is crazy. He played like later in the bill. And so a lot he of people had already left. Out, he, clo- he pretty much closed out Woodstock. He played at 8 a.m. Yeah. On Monday morning, 8 a.m. on Monday morning. Like everyone's fucked up. Everyone's tired. Everyone's just beat to shit. Everyone's trying to leave. And Hendrix comes on and, and he doesn't give a shit. He fucking takes the stage and, and he rips it up. And like that's that's where we get like the Star Spangled Banner from. And it's 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 so broken. And the way he plays it is is honestly like so shitty and like almost disrespectful in a traditionalist <laughs> sense. But oh yeah, that, totally. it's but that like purpose, like that, like perfectly embodies what Woodstock was about, what like the '60s counterculture was about, and above all else, what Hendrix did best was just 
fuck it. I'm listening to play music. Like that's what good rock and roll is. And that's what we talked about last week with Richie Valens and just like rock and roll is inherently counterculture. Like Jimi yeah. Hendrix was inherently counterculture. Everything about him. Even though I have a lot of negative things to say about him, he was inherently rock and roll in like <laughs> in essence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I dig. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. But that's where I put Woodstock. Okay, okay. I uh, I put Woodstock also, you know, right there between my two and one, my one and two. Uh, and I, I may have read this wrong, but he, I guess like the peak of Woodstock was like 300,000 people, I guess on Friday or Saturday. And when he played, I think only 30,000 people were there. Yeah, everybody By left. By the time he played at 8 a.m., yeah. And he was originally billed to play at midnight on that Sunday night. And he's like, no, I, for whatever reason, he decided to push it forward or push it to the morning. I don't remember why, though. But, yeah, he ended up playing at 8 a.m. on that Monday morning. And he all, and it says that he, he didn't sleep for three days. He had been up for three <laughs> fucking days on, you know, amphetamines and fucking who knows what else. Cocaine, whatever. So, yeah, he was he was a, a wild a wild guy. But, yeah, up for three fucking days at Woodstock. I think... So, I think like he had, he had like a clause in his contract that no one else would play after him, and so that's why he was pushed back so much too, is because all of the rain delays, you know, people showing up late, just yeah, all yeah. the things that happened, no one was going to play after him, and they it got it got so bad that like there was like the, the Woodstock organizers were sending in helicopters to fucking drop food and water to people so they wouldn't die. <laughs> it's stupid. But like only like two uh, people died, and like out of yeah, yeah. I, I think it was I think it's upwards of like four hundred thousand people that that showed up to a festival that they thought like forty thousand people would come to. <laughs> it's pretty fucking insane, and it just like to think now, in the middle of nowhere, New York. To think now, and in two thousand twenty-two, to you, you throw a festival of forty thousand, and almost half a million show up, and there's only two deaths. Come on. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And more people die at Travis Scott shows than that. It's silly, oh, dude. <laughs> Fucking silly. That's true. That is true. But I don't know. It's sad stuff. Okay. Anyway, the so Scott thing is. yeah. So my number one is Axis. Uh, this is this is this is very much more laid back. It's a laid back approach than Are You Experienced? Like there's just there's parts of this album that are so groovy and so lighthearted and just almost pop. And Jimi Hendrix kind of is very pop focused a lot of the times. He just has a tone that was so unique to him that it masked a lot of the popness. But like the song you mentioned, Castles Made of Sand. Like, dude, that is just a soft groove. And it reminds me of something like Frusciante does a lot. That kind of like soft, lighthearted groove. But there's like an edge to it. And like the next track also is super boss. And it's it's, there's just a lot of layering too in this in this album that I thought it dealt more with a lot of pain that he was dealing with. And he was a very emotional guy. Like, like since, since his, his, his early upbringings, he's just a very emotional guy. And that's where the whole like manic depression thing, bipolar that he was called early on. He just, he wasn't a rock star. He was just kind of like an emo kid, but wanted to be a rock star, but no, didn't know really how to do it. But like Axis just, man, there was just something about this one that I really liked. And I think that was like an emo aspect to this psychedelic rock of Jimi Hendrix. And it was okay. also it was also it was also infamous for its cover art. Like Hendrix fucking hated it. 
He yeah. had he had no input on it whatsoever. They put it out without his his even like looking at it. He fucking hated it. Every the whole world hated it. It's awful. I, think, I still don't think it's a very good cover. I, I don't care for it. I think it's fine. It's just something very stereotypical of the late 60s psychedelic era. Like, it, yeah. like and, you can replace Hendrix's face with Keith Richards and it'd be no different than anything the Stones put out or something Led Zeppelin did. It's just, it's. Mm. But it's just like Hendrix had nothing to do with Indian music. There's nothing to do with it. He wanted something like Native American. Yeah, because he was part Native American. That's what he wanted to do, and he was super pissed about it, which I totally understand. Yeah, it's it's his fucking music, and they're taking advantage of the the culture of the time. I mean, obviously the Beatles were, you know, the biggest thing in the world, and all the Ravi Shankar stuff with the Beatles, and it makes sense why they did it marketing-wise, but it's so disrespectful to, to him and the band to use their it, to yeah. use their likeness for something that they don't they did not want. This is dumb. It's pretty fucked up. Yeah. My it's favorite like, song some shit that they would have done after he died, but this is fucking second record. Yeah. It's, yeah so it's soon weird. after are you experienced too. I know. It, it's crazy. It's crazy how how short of a amount of time he was actually alive and making music. But we'll get more into that, you know, when we uh when we do the main the main episode of the pod. But, uh, yeah, my number one is uh, is Electric Ladyland. Oh, wait, no, what was your biggest, what was your BB off Axis? Oh, uh, She's So Fine. She's So Fine was uh, uh, Noel Redding. Like he, that was his his track. He sang on it. He composed it. And it's just, it's a nice, heavy, thick mm-hmm. bass line track, obviously. But it's like spazzy. It's it's hectic and it's, it's super busy. And I think, mm-hmm. I think like the Jimi Hendrix experience is at their best when the rhythm section is crazy busy and Hendrix slows down into a more clean tone, but has like that kind yeah, of, yeah. that kind of like, 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 I don't know that, the that iconic cordage that he uses a lot. Like like Jimi Hendrix chord is what a lot of people call it. I think that's when they're at their best in that song. I mean, because he wrote the song, the bass it player, it was very bass forward, but I liked it a lot. Mm hmm. I had this on the vinyls. I, I I I got a copy of this for free because I have an original pressing of the of the record itself, but there was no sleeve. Uh-huh. And so then I found someone on Discog selling just a sleeve for like three dollars, and I bought it. So now I have a complete thing for like three dollars. <laughs> 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 oh wait, now that I think about, it, I know what. Yeah, I was trying to think like, what song is this off the record? But no, I I remember when it came on, it I just it shocked me because I not hearing Hendrix's voice on it. Yeah. Yeah, he sings. I, yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I know. Totally different. This is like not a good singer. It, it's just, it's just like, what the fuck? Why? What is going on here? But it's so. But jarring. it was refreshing. Yeah, yeah. Because man, at this point, I mean, I when I listen to Hendrix, I'll just like, I'll just throw in whatever. Like I don't, I'm just whatever with Hendrix. So I, I don't go after anything specific. So at this point, when I was listening to Axis, I'm like, dude, it's just like a lot of the same. So it was nice. It was very nice hearing <laughs> Hendrix not singing for once. It was very nice. I liked it. That was a good song. You've ah, not you, so you yeah. have not stuck Isle of Wight in here yet either. I have not. So no. did you forget or is your number one? Okay, no, I have a reason. Fine. Go ahead. What's your number one? I have a reason. So my number one is Electric Ladyland, their third record. Uh, I like how much tighter this record is. There's more. It's more consistent. It's more concise. I... I, I think there's a nice balance of um, of 
in the mix, like between the guitar, bass, and drums. Like I feel like on the first two records, uh, Jimmy's guitar is much lower in the mix than I I really remember I've ever really thought about, and everybody else has turned up so high or just at least so loud. Um, but this is this just sounds much more well balanced, and I like that a lot. Like you can really hear. I feel like you can hear a lot more nuance in his playing on this particular record than on the first two. So there's that. I mean. I mean, arguably, the the biggest banger is off of this. I mean, not the biggest banger, but his most popular song is off of this record. All on the Watchtower? Um, no, Voodoo Child. Oh, yeah. Slight Return. I mean, that's arguably... That, that riff is, outside of Smoke on the Water and Iron Man, that is the most iconic guitar riff of all time. Damn, Gina. I, I mean, come on, really? Spin, Voodoo Child. Spitting big arguments here. It is. Voodoo Child is the biggest. I mean, you know, I will say it, it is. He's more popular, popular than Purple Haze. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That guitar riff. That guitar riff absolutely okay. is bigger than Purple Haze. Yeah. Single handedly. I mean, it's it's not as easy to play, obviously, as like Smoke on the Water and Iron Man, but it's 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 more iconic. It's more iconic. It's more noticeable. You hear that riff, and you're like, you instantly know it's Hendrix. But uh, yeah, Electric Lady and uh, Ladyland. This is my this is my one B. I really enjoy this one. Um, my favorite song is 1983. Oh damn, dude, the jammy man. <laughs> dude, talk about a band that like had Jimmy not died, this would have been his career throughout the 70s. Yes, like without a doubt, he would have become more of a jam band. Yep, and it would just have been unreal because, and I say this. Because I think you agree with me, or I hope you agree with me, Isle of Wight is the best thing. Yes. I never I, heard I, this, this live record. Never heard this live record. And yeah, it was long, but it's okay. Be- it's two hours long, but it's okay because they do jam a lot. I know. And it's 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 remarkably good. And I'll, t- I'll talk more about like what I don't like about Are You Experienced on the main pod, but... Yeah, it's just I just love how they're they're more of a band on on that in that live performance than anything they ever recorded in the studio. Like you could actually tell that they were trying to play with each other. I love it. I, I thought that record I thought that live record was amazing. So that's So what, what do you think about this one? Okay, so so my number one is I Love White. That that is what got me honestly that's what got me into Jimi Hendrix. And that was because we just started collecting the vinyl. And all I knew about Jimi Hendrix was he is iconic. I still think he's 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 definitely one of the greatest guitarists just just because of what he's done for for rock yeah. music and music in general. His influence, yeah. But as a songwriter, I still think he's vastly overrated still to this day. Agreed. Agreed. But but I I can't. There's no denying that that he's he's one of the greats. And there's arguments to be made that I would be okay with him being the great. That's fine. Don't care. I don't think he is, but that's fine. But fuck me, an Isle of Wight. I got this on the vinyls early on in our collecting, and I was blown away. I was blown away at just how jammy it is. Like this guy, yeah, he's a child. And again, like dude, <laughs> we, we keep forgetting he died so early in his life, right? And so we 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 think of Hendrix as like Purple Haze and the and the Foxy Lady, Foxy Lady, yeah. But he died so early on, and and I Love White just really showcases kind of his 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 lackadaisical, lazy approach to to riffing but it's not even lazy because it's it's him 
Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's his style. Like that's what he did. He played out of tune constantly all the time. But he was just so good at it that he would bend like the root he would bend the, the note to hit that root note so it would be in yeah. tune and then continue <laughs> his solo. Like that was just how fucking good he was at the and guitar. And then he would tune his guitar back into the proper tuning while he was playing too. Just if he felt like yes. Yeah. The guy the guy <laughs> was, he was doing it. He was remarkable. Yeah. It was unreal. And I only have the vinyl of it that is uh it's a condensed it's like the best of the Isle of Wight performance. Because yeah, yeah. it's not two and a half hours long; it's like forty-five minutes long, and I love. I would it. get the full performance. Like if the, the full performance was available, if it is available on vinyl, I would. It is. It's pressed. Un- it was it pressed is? in two thousand two. Yeah, I, I was looking oh, it up fuck. today. Actually, what's and the it, cost on it? It's like seventy dollars. That's what? not terrible. I mean, no. that's kind of we spent a little bit more than that on the how the West was won. It's only been pressed once, and it was in like 2002, and it's the full performance. It's front to back. Fuck. It's all Hendrix, and honestly, it is unreal. Like, this guy- It is. It's really fucking good. Jimi Hendrix, at his best, is better than like than, than most of the greatest of all time. He truly is, because he, he knows how to play with his band. He knows how to lead. He knows how to follow, and he knows how to just kind of like be a kid. Like, like he embodies like a perfect rock star of someone that that per, that wanted to be better, but also didn't forget what it was like to be a beginner. And mm-hmm. he tried things that were different. And then you can tell in Isle of Wight, he fucks up a lot of the solos that he's trying to do in the songs that he's been doing multiple times, dozens of times. He fucks yeah. them up. He misses <laughs> notes. He you know he, he maybe he's just strung out. I don't know. But he works around it. He works around it in a way that like a kid would work around it. Like, oh, that that fuck up sounded kind of cool. Let me throw another fuck up in there to make everyone else think <laughs> that the fuck up was intentional and a part of a song now. Yeah, yeah. Like that that kind of that kind of like quick witted thinking. But then like to have Noel and, and 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 Mitch like behind you to to pick up the slack and 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 I don't know, dude. Like Jimi Hendrix, Isle of Wight is is really. Is really what people should be talking about when they talk about how great Jimi Hendrix was. Not are you experienced by any I, measure? I agree. I I agree one hundred percent. I they like I said they sound like a real band. They there's not all of the ah. We'll get it now. I see. I can't talk about it right now. Let's, we have yeah, to get dude, into it on the let's, main. Let's the main cut episode. it. Let's cut it and then we'll get into it. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so anybody listening. We're going to talk about these live records more, obvi- or we're going to talk about Isle of Wight more, but obviously we're, our main focus is going to be on his first record, Are You Experienced? So keep listening. Listen to the next episode. Thank you all for listening. And that's it. That's all for this one. Mitch Mitchell. Jimmy Hendrix. <laughs>